Hello and welcome to Hope for the Introvert. If you've ever wondered how an introvert temperament can be compatible with leadership, then you're in the right place. Join us as we chat with introverts who are leaders and influencers in their various fields. They talk about the challenges they face, as well as the ways they feel their temperament has contributed to their success. Our host is Ben Welk, an introverted leader himself, working as a programme manager in the Information Security Office at the Rochester Institute of Technology. He's also leader of the Society for Technical Communication and a member of the EDUCALS Higher Education Information Security Council Awareness and Training Working Group. You can contact Ben at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at hopeintrovert. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash hopefortheintrovert. Joining us today is Melanie Seibert. Melanie is the Senior Content Strategist at Willow Tree. She's taught content strategy at General Assembly and helped create digital experiences for Razorfish, Rackspace, and cPanel. Melanie opines about content strategy on her blog, Prose Kiln at prosekiln.com. You can contact Melanie on Twitter at Melanie underscore Seibert. I encourage our listeners to visit hopefortheintrovert.com, where you'll find complete show notes, including a transcript of today's conversation. Welcome back, Melanie. I'm looking forward to more conversation. It's been fascinating so far. What do you think your biggest strengths are? And we started to talk a little bit about the strengths finder, and I have actually not taken that one yet. I've done the Enneagram and which I can't remember any of the detail on and, and DISC, which I really not super fond of. And of course, the Myers-Briggs Kiersey type things. I have not yet done the strength finder thing. Tell me a little bit about that test. And I guess what it would be really interesting, I think, would be if you have any idea what you felt like your strengths were before you took the test and whether you learned something from that right. test that surprised you. Yeah, so the strength finder is really interesting because the way I learned about it when I went to work at Rackspace and they as an organization have every person who's hired take the strength finder before you start and then when you start you get your results and their sort of orientation meetings to sort of talk about what it means and how to work with different people. So they told us that when the researchers who created StrengthsFinder ultimately first set out, they wanted to find what are traits of leaders. So like what, what are all the common personality traits that leaders have? And they expected to find when they interviewed executives and managers and those type of people, they expected to find common traits across everyone. And what they actually found was these 34 different strengths that were in different combinations for, for every leader. So it was surprising to them. But the takeaway from that is that you don't have to be a certain personality type to be a leader. You can be an introvert, you can be creative, you can be analytical, whatever. And so it's funny that you say like, what, what was I expecting? Because I was in this mode where I was like, I'm going to be a content strategist now. I'm going from being a writer, which is sort of a more creative role to being strategic and analytical and thinking more big picture. And so I was really hoping to get, uh, there's a strength called strategic, there's a strength called communication. And 
there are a few others that look, uh, there's one called self-assurance that I really wanted, but I just knew that wasn't going to happen. So when I finally got my results, communication, strategic, self-assurance were like way down towards the bottom. And at the top, I had connectedness, input, positivity, relator. I can't remember all of them right offhand, but I had adaptability. And I was just like, oh, man, all these, they sounded very sort of unappealing and wishy-washy to me at the time. But over time, I've really learned to like value and I'll see myself doing things. And if I do a certain thing well, I'm like, oh, that's because I have connectedness. Like I'm always connecting people with resources or I just am like, I find that super satisfying to, I don't know, help people learn about something. Oh, and I'll tell them, oh, there's this great book that I read or whatever. And there's value to that. So I think positivity is probably the only strength that I have that is actually, at the time, they counted it as like a leadership type of strength. So it lets you influence people and it lets you influence people's behavior. There are others that I definitely don't have as much of. One is command, which is where you're just like totally comfortable being the boss. And one is woo, which they say it stands for winning others over, which means you're kind of like the salesman. You're like everyone's best friend. You meet a person and you're like their best friend within two minutes and you're all buddy buddy with them. And then when you meet someone else, you're sort of their best friend. So it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a very charming, sounds like an extrovert to me. So I don't know. I could talk about it all day. It sounds like a courtship type thing when you said the wooing part. I mean, that's the context, but it sounds appropriate for what you're talking about as well. It's funny to me that you, when you took the inventory, that you were hoping to have strengths in certain areas. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I knew the words for them or what the outputs would be, but I knew in my mind the qualities that I wanted to have, like how I wanted to see myself. And it was an adjustment to accepting the strengths that I actually do have and seeing how I can actually use those instead of trying to be someone I'm not basically like I'm never going to be the my boss had self-assurance and I was so jealous because I was like I want to be able to just walk into a meeting and lead the meeting and and feel totally comfortable doing that and just assume that people are going to accept my ideas because I have the best ideas and that type of thing And I'm just never going to be comfortable doing that. I'm always going to be a little bit more reserved, a little bit more like tentative. Like, I think this is the best course of action, but I'm always open to feedback or if other people have other ideas, let's hear them, that type of thing. So it was definitely a process. Yeah, it sounds like it was a very, very much a self-discovery thing with some of it too. And some of it just does seem to be putting the words around what those strengths were. It's funny because when I took the Kiersey.com temperament inventory, I was really surprised at some of the results of it. And I really talked to my wife about it and then said, well, this is funny. Did you know that this says I'm really, really willfully independent? And so, yes. (laughs) So it's like the things were not a surprise to people who knew me. Right. But they were certainly a surprise to me. And what I found most helpful with the inventory I took, and I think this is true for many of them, is that it does help you identify your strengths. 
And for me, it was even to the point of, oh, the Kiersey says, I'm an INTJ. Uh, Kiersey says, oh, they can be good leaders. I must be able to be a good leader. And that was actually my reaction to it because I grew up with that Western ideal of what leaders must be like and knowing I was not this charismatic individual who was going to stand in front of everyone or be commanding or anything else. It was just really wild to me to discover that, oh, I could actually be a good leader. Yeah. I learned things like I'm innovative, creative, and that should be an obvious thing. And I still go back to conversations in elementary school that I remember my parents having with my teachers where they basically said, well, he'll be able to learn anything at all, but he's he's not going to be creative. And that kind of thing is surfaces, it seems like it should be, that really stuck with me. And I was really surprised that, oh my goodness, I can be creative. I can be innovative. And I embrace that now. But I did, it was like, I didn't even know it was a possibility. So it's, it's kind of funny, because for me, it's kind of how these, not really random comments, but how these statements early on in your life can have a big impact on what you believe about yourself. And probably, depending on how you take them can probably limit yourself quite a bit. Yeah, isn't that funny? It's almost like it's liberating, because someone's giving you permission, saying, yes, it's okay, you can be creative. It's really amazing how we internalize those impressions. I think I had a similar impression of myself. I don't remember anyone ever telling me you can't be creative, but I definitely, I, oh man, this is embarrassing. I walked into a job interview for a copywriting job when I was in my early twenties and the hiring manager said, well, are you creative? And I said, no, (laughs) because I really didn't think of myself as creative, but Later, I was just like, well, first of all, that was a really dumb thing to say in a job interview. You don't ever say that. But secondly, it's not true because I've seen where I can be creative in ways that maybe I didn't realize. So, yeah, I I definitely had a similar experience. It's funny. And I imagine talking to a lot of people, we'd find out that there were little things that people said and they took them to heart or these things have had an impact on them. Right. So I think it's great. I I think all of these inventories are really useful. Some of them I personally like more than others. But in general, (laughs) I think they're useful because I think that whole self-discovery piece is really important. It's so, I mean, for me, like I said, I have not done Strengths Finders yet, but it's going to come back with strategic. Mm -hmm. Everything else that I've looked at talks about being strategic. And that helps me in terms of understanding what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. Right. I'm in the process of planning a party, and this will release after this party occurs, but it's a surprise party. And they're logistics. And I am going crazy because I don't like dealing with the logistics. That level of detail as opposed to the overall strategy thing, I'm just finding to be a really, really big challenge. 
So it also, I think, points to how important it is to have a team where people are complementary. Yeah. So that okay. those strengths are there, but also where there are weaknesses, and we all have them, where those are bolstered and really shored up by having the right people on a team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one reason why Rackspace really invested in that methodology. It also, understanding your own strengths and understanding that someone else is not going to see the problem the same way you are. And there is a place for both people on the team. We, we really need each other. And in fact, their whole philosophy was, if you're not good at something, then let somebody who is naturally good at it do it. And you develop your strengths, not your weaknesses, which is kind of a whole other kind of interesting take. But their point was, you're going to go further building on your strengths than you will trying to mitigate your weaknesses. So work together. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. I think that makes sense. I can see the downside of that. I mean, I think if it's a case where your weaknesses are, I would say non-strengths. Yeah, right. Your weaknesses are impeding your ability to do something, then you obviously need to work on them. In theory, it makes perfect sense because if you want to basically get the best part of each person and their best viewpoints involved, it seems like the product would naturally be stronger because you are leveraging everyone's strengths. I can see the wisdom in that. It's an interesting discussion. Yeah. You had mentioned that in a previous job that the leadership thing didn't really pan out because they're looking for a specific type of leader, more of a command and control type situation. And I know when I don't like being on either side of that, I cannot stand being micromanaged. And I probably, if anything, don't necessarily provide as much management input with people who are doing things for me as I need to, because I'm very much, well, I'm happy with whatever way you do it. And I expect you to use your strengths, whatever you're doing. But I can see how that's been a bit of a challenge at times as well. We started to talk a little bit about what it's like being an introvert in the workplace and maybe not in a, well, you're in a senior content strategist role. So it is a leader role in a way, or very much a leader role. How about in general in life? Uh, do you find that being an introvert impacts how you act in other situations or social situations? Yeah. So it's really interesting that you sent me the link to the Kiersey personality inventory. I'm not sure if I'm calling it the right thing, but my profile there is the counselor. So I'm the person who it doesn't matter if it's at work or at church or at home. People are always coming to me with their problems. I had someone, a relative texting me last night with a parenting question. And I think, I'm not sure why that is, but it has something to do. I just really, I'm really comfortable listening to people and I'm very nosy. So I want to know everyone's business and I want to know all about their problems. And I really want to know what they're really thinking. Like what is really going on with this person under the surface? And for some reason, I'm just, fascinated. So it's not an altruistic thing necessarily. It's kind of a selfish thing. I'm just like really fascinated with people's stories and how people work on the inside. So 
yeah, that definitely does come out in my sort of daily life. Like people will open up and tell me things. And it turns out that if you listen to people, you'll be surprised at the things that they will tell you. I, I'm always sort of asking for information and expecting people to say, well, no, I don't want to talk about that or that's too personal. And it is really unusual for a person to say that. People will tell you a lot. I think a lot of people just really want to be listened to. So I do find that. Well, especially if they think they can trust you and that you will give them good input and obviously not take the information and use it for whatever purposes. It's funny because I look at our initial guest list on the podcast and you are the fourth or fifth INFJ that I've had on the (laughs) podcast. And in some ways it makes sense, but if you look at the Kiersey temperament sorter or the Myers-Briggs statistics around it, INFJ is the most rare temperament type. Really? I just find it really intriguing that I have so many friends who are INFJs. Yeah. I'm curious to know which temperament types are the most common. So I'm going to have to do some Googling after this. Yeah. And I don't have the numbers handy, but one of the big differences that Kiersey talks about is that you have your N's who are the intuitives and you have your S's who are more concrete. There are far more concrete thinkers in our world than the people who are intuitive, like INTJ or INFJ or anything like that. And I think from what I've been able to tell, the S's are more, much more practically focused which is probably a good thing because I know I can be very abstract and thinking about possibilities and things like that. So I think the S's are pretty much holding us together while some of us are very speculative and want to come up and try all these new ideas and things. And the INFJ as a guest doesn't totally surprise me because we're all very interested in this whole temperament thing now and how it impacts things. And I think we tend to be naturally more introspective, not even just as introverts, but especially with being intuitive instead. That makes a lot of sense. And also, if you're talking to people in sort of technology-related fields, I feel like that N orientation where you're thinking about possibilities and trying to innovate, that is definitely encouraged more in tech and the type of world where we work. So that also might have something to do with it. That is really interesting. I'd like to talk a little bit about recommendations you might have for introverts who want to become influencers or leaders. What what recommendations would you have? Yeah, I guess my main recommendation is to, as we discussed earlier, we talked about how the how the personality inventories gave us permission to do things that we sort of thought we weren't suited for. And I feel like that sense of having permission is helpful to some people. And so I just want to encourage people to not doubt that they can be leaders. I'm reading a book right now. It's about systems thinking. And it's very much about learning and leading. And the author is very against this idea that only executives are leaders or only managers are leaders. And I definitely had thought of it that way. 
I think of the organization, you have your org chart, and there are the people at the top of the org chart, and those are the leaders. But in reality, a lot of the change in organizations comes from the individual contributors or the people who have a lot of credibility amongst their coworkers, and they become leaders that way, even if they don't have formal or structural power to command people to do things a different way. It's much more effective. Uh, change is much more effective when it comes from sort of that level, the, the individual level. And so in that sense, we're all leaders. If we're engaged and we're motivated at work, we can be leaders at work. And there are a lot of different ways to be a leader. If you're working in a setting where your leadership style really isn't valued, that doesn't mean that you're not a leader or that you can't be a leader. You might just not be in the right place. You might not be in a place that really values the contributions that you have to give because that's where I found myself. And I had to find a place where I could contribute something that the organization would value. So I guess that's my main recommendation. It's not very sort of technical, (laughs) (laughs) but I feel like it is important to some people. I appreciate your time. And thanks for a great interview. Thanks, Ben. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you for joining us today on Hope for the Introvert. We hope you feel inspired and encouraged by today's discussion. You can find out more about introverted leadership and this podcast at hopefortheintrovert.com. And if you have any questions or comments on what you've heard, Ben would love to hear from you. Contact him at ben at hopefortheintrovert.com or on Twitter at Hope Introvert. And join us next time. Support Hope for the Introvert on Patreon. You'll love the rewards. From a discount on merchandise to joining the online community of introverted leaders like you, there's something for everyone. You could even join Ben as a guest on the podcast. We appreciate your support. You can find us at patreon.com slash hope for the introvert.